in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is me. Hi. Hey, thank you to uh, so much of the conservative world that has embraced my book, uh, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. What a week, huh? I told you about Megyn Kelly, the great one, Mark Levin, Hannity, uh, Dan Bongino is supporting. I mean, these are giants of the industry, and I am so very grateful because the book, I do believe, is an important one. Um, it's kind of organizing and uh, delivering a much-needed message um, about multiple subjects, about race, about law enforcement, about politically correct culture and the need to withstand that. And um, I tell the story of my father. I There's a lot in there that I that I really am proud of. And, and thank you all for, for supporting it. And, uh, oh, yeah, you are not fooling around, by the way. Uh, the book is doing quite well. You want to? Is it? How obnoxious will it be if I read a review uh, of my own book? Is that is that a bad thing to do? Um, you know, as Donald Trump once told me, Greg, you got to blow your own trumpet sometimes. You know, you got to just. And he did. He told me, um, you know, if you don't tell your own story, somebody else will tell it for you, and they won't uh, tell it the way you like. And uh, that is. Um, that's great advice, right, from the president himself. And uh, I'm going to follow that advice just for a moment. Okay, let's see here. Where are the reviews? Five-star reviews all over the place. Some people really like the book, the audio version. Some people like the Okay, here we go. I enjoy Greg Kelly's TV and radio commentary, and this book exceeded my expectations. Very well written and hits on all the hot-button cultural and racial issues that have plagued America in the last decade and were inflamed in the summer of 2020. Highly re- recommended, regardless of your political persuasion. I got the hardcover and will be reviewing again once I listen to the audiobook. Wow, James E., super fan. And you know what these are? These are what they call verified purchases, all right? You know, you can swamp um, the Amazon inbox. People do that. They, you know, buy 100 copies of their own books. They try to game the system. But uh, I didn't do any of that, quite frankly. This book is going to sink or swim on its own. Hey, I got a radio show to talk about it and a TV show. And if uh, people want to read it, great. If they don't want to read it, well, that's uh, that's too bad on me and also too bad on the country. But, no, I think it's uh, it's breaking through. I told you it's number one, two, and three on the Amazon bestseller list in the um, law enforcement category and in the ideology and doctrine category. Okay, those are niche categories, but I'll take them. And um, looks like we're actually making progress on the main list where you're competing against everything, novels, Nonfiction. Um, put your mind into this read and learn the truth about the country today. Do yourself the honor of knowing where we are and how we must change the outcome. Wow. Uh, here's another one. Hard to put it down. Learn more than I want to know. I would recommend 100%. M.W. writes, an excellent read, a brave and truthful point of view about how the political narrative of defunding the police and poor leadership is dividing and undermining our current state of law enforcement. Thank you, Greg Kelly. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. 
great read about the international destruction, the intentional destruction of America with lies and lawlessness. At this point, there is not a man or woman who can save this country. Only turning back to our founding, the real history, not the fabricated one, by the left, 1619. Our founding was based on God and God's laws. They want fascism and the brown coat national police uh, that come with it, the brown coat national police force. We don't want a national police force, by the way. No way. Wake up, America. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. The book is out there, available wherever books are sold. We like those uh, little uh, independent bookstores, but hey, Amazon, I'm not, I get a lot of stuff from Amazon. I'm not going to beat up on Amazon. I'm very grateful that Amazon is out there. Are you? It does make life easier. I know the mom and pop business. All right, I'm not going to get into that right now. I want to sell this book. Um, also, in the news, in the news news, now they're trying to say that the Joe Biden story is fading away because there's no new news there. There's nothing new. Uh, and how dare you ask for a visitor's log a visitor's log of who was coming and going uh, from the Joe Biden compound, and it was very much a compound in Wilmington, Delaware, while he was vice president. Oh, we don't keep those records. Well, yes, you do. Certainly any time he was uh, under supervision or protection from the Secret Service, which he was for a good chunk of his post-vice presidency, uh, they know who Joe was meeting with and uh, seeing, and those records are available somewhere. Um but I'll grant you this. It's not that that's really the uh, salacious part. It is that Hunter Biden was still can't figure it out if he owned the house or if he was a tenant in the house. But this is a scandal right here. OK, fifty thousand dollar a month rent, according to Hunter Biden, was uh, paid to live in that house in suburban Wilmington, Delaware. I've been to Delaware. I've been to Wilmington a lot, quite a bit, actually. They got this hotel downtown, the DuPont Hotel. If you ever want a little uh, getaway, which it's not too far, not too close. It's uh, just right. It's in Delaware. It's a beautiful old-school hotel. And uh, I actually have been there probably a dozen times in my life, going back 15 years or so. It's just a nice little getaway. But anyway, um, $50,000 a month for a 6,800-square-foot house in Delaware. Now, if you watch my show last night, I did what real estate agents call the comps, the comparables. And I ran the numbers and I looked up, uh, you know, a comparable house, say, what's a suburb of New York City that's kind of high end? I came up with Scarsdale. All right. Everybody knows Scarsdale. Pretty nice uh, neighborhood. A similarly sized house on a beautiful street in Scarsdale. What do you think the rent was per month? Eh? for suburban New York City, $50,000 for suburban Wilmington. That doesn't make sense. Now, what about uh, a house in a much nicer neighborhood? All right, Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, same-sized house. That's when you get up to the $49,000, $50,000 rent range. Do you hear that buzzing, by the way? What the hell are they doing now? Uh what is that? It feels like someone is sawing trumpets in half, quite frankly. If that, oh gosh, can you tell them to stop? I don't know if it's what a trumpet being sawed in half sounds like, but my imagination is it sounds a lot like that. Anyway, the house in Beverly Hills, same size, uh, goes for $50,000 $50, a month rent. 
Why? Suburban Wilmington. Huh? No sense whatsoever. And uh, it's been mentioned that maybe this is a money laundering thing. That's a lot of money to be going around. A lot of money. And Hunter has complained for years in text messages to his daughter that he was upset that he had to give so much of his income to his father. Half, I believe. Half had to go to the big man. Half of it. And this is, uh, remember they told us this is Russian disinformation. That text message to Finnegan Biden was Russia disinformation. By the way, some caller last week recommended that we go through the 50 people who signed that bogus letter, calling it all Russia disinformation. I'm on it. In fact, we got one of the signatories right here. His name is Mike Morell. And boy, oh boy, what a swamp snake this guy is. He was actually the acting director of the Central Intelligence Agency for a while. Hey, you know what? Actually, that kind of feels good, the humming, the vibration. Kind of gives me a good feeling somehow. I don't know. I like sitting in the chair. The whole chair is, I don't mind suddenly. All right. Here's Mike Morell, the former acting director of the CIA, saying that, uh, all right. <laughs> now it's very distracting. Now it's, uh, now it's feeling a little bit too good physically. I got to turn that dumb thing off. Mike Morell just saying that it's A-OK for vice presidents and presidents to uh, bring classified stuff home. Cut 32. They're cut slack because of who they are. And I think that that's what has to end, right? Um, somebody needs to be put in charge of knowing what information has gone to the residents and making sure that that information comes back. Fine. All right. That's how you fix the problem. But you see what he said. They are cut slack because of who they are. And I think that's been the case for a long time. Vice presidents, presidents, right? It's not like some bureaucrat. These guys are, well, they're just, they're elected, popularly elected. 50, 60 million, 70 million, whatever. People voted for these guys. And they treat, all right, stop it. That's right downstairs, by the way. I mean, is anybody going down and say, give us a break? I mean, no matter what, they should do this after hours. I'm going to go down. Can I take a quick break? I got to go down and talk to this freaking guy. Uh, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now they're even louder. Now they're even louder down there. Are they playing a game with me? Granted, I didn't go all the way down. I couldn't go all the way down. I had a boss do it. I can't do it. I don't want to get into it with those guys. One word's going to lead to another. Uh, and, uh, oh, gosh, this has got to stop, though. Oh, gosh, can you hear it? Can you hear that hum? Now what are they? This doesn't sound like any procedure that this building needs, whatever that is, that humming the building is pretty old, though, 50 years old. 50 years old. This beautiful modern skyscraper is 50 years old. Uh, did you know that Joe Biden went to Ukraine and China just before he left office in uh, 2017? He's got three days left in power as vice president of the United States. Why the hell did he go to Ukraine? He did, I didn't know this until yesterday. Listen to this. Joe Biden... This is after the insurrection. Isn't he needed at home to protect democracy? He goes to Ukraine to meet with the president and listen to Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, fawn all over this guy. 
And remember, at this time, uh, Hunter has that crazy job, $85,000 a month, $85,000 a month, no-show job, which is basically money for Joe. So I guess it does make sense why he goes to Ukraine to butter everybody up. Uh, where is this? Uh, cut 29. Mr. President, I may have to call you once every couple of weeks just to hear your voice. Uh, <laughs> it's been going on a long time. Why the hell? What, is he romantically interested in him? No. Well, I don't, not judging, but no, it's about money. It's about money, and Ukraine is one of the most corrupt places on earth. And oh, by the way, I think we all need to give uh, Zelensky the Heisman. I'm sick of that guy and his sweatshirt. I, I just, enough. How much money? And his sweatshirt. His stupid sweatshirt. Look, I hate war. It's one of the reasons why you can't just go into war willy-nilly like Paul Wolfowitz and the rest. Because when you start fighting a war, inevitably, it's not clean like these idiots. It's not clean like Putin thinks, perhaps. You know what happens in a war? Unfortunately, tragically, but it happens all the time. War crimes. Atrocities. It goes with it. Every country in the world has an army. And the moment you start using that army, bad things are going to happen. In addition to just how terrible, legitimate warfare is by the rules. Anyway, I heard about that apartment building. It's absolutely terrible. It's so bad. It's so bad. And it would not have happened if Donald Trump were still in office. Remember that. Remember that. So there he is making uh, the rounds, sucking up once again to the president of Ukraine with three days left in office. Joe Biden is over there. And then he goes to Switzerland to meet with the president of China. Three days left as vice president. Man, this guy is greedy. Cut 27, please. President Xi's speech was followed by several meetings with world leaders at Davos. Speaking with U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, Xi called for closer cooperation between the two global heavyweights in pursuit of a long-term and stable relationship that benefits both sides. Benefits both sides, yeah. Uh, Joe Biden and Mrs. Jill Biden, okay? Benefits them and Hunter Biden, too, right? Benefits, was he there just think about it. Was he there for for us or for himself? Going to Europe, that's a pain in the neck. Even if you're flying on Air Force Two, it's a bit of a pain. And he somehow goes there with three days left in office. Something is very, very smelly about the whole thing. $50,000 a month from his in that suburban Delaware. Now, of course, he is appalled, and this is what does him in. This ultimately finishes him. Where is this? And he will never be able to... uh, Where's that part where he talks about... uh, uh, Cut 30, please. This is famous at this point. Cut 30. When you saw the photograph of the top-secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen, how one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. It was totally responsible. 
I mean, that's like textbook good government compared to what you did, Joe Biden, putting that classified top secret crap in your garage, in your library, in some uh, back shed. This and you will never live this down. Yeah, it may fade away a little bit from the headlines. I noticed every Sunday show played that over the weekend. How bad is this sound, by the way? I can't take it anymore. But anyway, at least Joe Biden will never, ever, ever be able to say this nauseating crap again. Cut 31. Now I truly believe, I give my word as a Biden, I truly believe we're about to see our brightest future. I honest to God believe, I give you my word as a Biden, I honest to God believe we're in the cusp, we're at an inflection point. We have a chance to make such enormous progress. I'm serious. Heads of state. I give you my word as a Biden. My word is a Biden. <laughs> what does that mean? It means your word is mud. Nobody trusts you. Nobody should. You've been lying like most people breathe. It is amazing. Tonight, I'm going to show you. He is an abomination. His very presence in the White House, that is an abomination. I saw a beautiful video of Ronald Reagan commemorating Martin Luther King Day, of signing legislation to make it a federal holiday. Signing it into law, and who's hovering over him? Joe Bloody Biden, a corrupt, dim-witted fool. Robert Gates said the guy's been wrong about every major strategic decision over the past 40 years. Ronald Reagan himself uh, said he was a no-class, uh, empty suit in his own diaries, actually. Uh, but there he is, President of the United States. How did that happen? You know how easy it is to become senator from Delaware? You know how many votes he got? He got he got less votes to become the senator from New Delaware than the Brooklyn Borough president had to get. How about that one, huh? It's a tiny state. I'm talking small. SM all. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, as Thelma said to Ed Norton, what do you want, uh, Leon in New Jersey? Hello. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, this is Eric Adams going to the border. Please help me with what for? Did he not believe this was going on and he had to go see it? Because he was a great detective, obviously. He was a great cop. But did he need to go see it happen? There was no point except a big photo op for this buffoon that sounds like Algonquin J. Calhoun when he talks. I don't know who Algonquin J. Calhoun is. Who is that? Algonquin J. Calhoun was George Stevenson, alias the Kingfish, and Amos and Andy's lawyer. Uh, You know what? Aren't you the guy who made the comparison to Stymie last week? Was that you? No, sir. All right. Me. Well, I don't like that. You know, as much as uh, Amos and Andy made me chuckle, I don't. Uh, I don't know about that uh, comparison. Look, it's sh- it's a showbiz. It's showbiz. It's show business. I- <laughs> the guy's getting away with murder, literally. New York Post kisses his butt, going down there. Oh, this is a step in the right direction. We finally have a concern. He's speaking the saying the right things about immigration. Nobody has any memory. And nobody cares what you do anymore. I'm looking at I'm looking at footage of him right now at the border wall. He'll do anything for some uh, for some decent press. And the New York Post gives it to him unthinkingly, probably because they have their marching orders by a guy named Rupert Murdoch. 
billionaire who treats countries like chess pieces. I've about had it with the Murdochs. I'm telling you, these guys and any other billionaire for that matter, Bill Gates, even Elon Musk. I mean, I like Elon Musk, but it shouldn't be his hobby, our free speech. It shouldn't be his hobby, our free speech. Where would we be without him? I am sick of this stuff. It's an oligarchy. Those guys are running the show. And right now, one of them, a very important one, likes Eric Adams and is protecting him. You know what the media used to do is apply pressure. You apply pressure so you get results out of these people. You make them sweat a little bit. You make them nervous. Uh Uh-oh, what is the editorial board going to say about me? I better shape up. Well, now nobody really gives a damn what anybody says about anybody these days. So uh, maybe that's gone. But I think it's worth a shot. I think it's worth a try. And they're blowing that off. All right. All right. Let's try Jerry and Passaic. What's uh, what's up? Well, I, you know, I spoke to you a few times. And what I, I figured out the best thing for you is to run against Gillibrand. Because if you run on a national level and get elected to the Senate, you can do more good for not just New York, but the city as a whole. That's number one. Number two. Stop right there. You, what an interesting idea. Gillibrand, eh? Huh. Could it, I huh. Involved in huh. I could take her. When the hell's the election, anyway? When is it? Wait a second. Wait a second. 2018. 2024, I think, right? 2018, I think, is when that, I think it's 2024. It's not much time. All right, keep going, Jerry. The reason he went over there and he has his house over there, that was basically the money laundering and basically um, uh, grifter, uh, grifter, grifter uh, money, money fund. Yes, that is most likely the case. Hey, getting back to the Senate thing, uh, the only problem is at the end of it, you're a senator. All right. Now, being a mayor is a much um, it's a much better job if you want to get things done, if you want to change things, if you really want to. I mean, what, is, what do the senators do? They're writing letters all day long. I will hold a uh, committee hearing on this. I am writing a letter to the Department of Treasury outlining, like, you know, I mean, but a cop can pick up the phone and order uh, 500, <coughs> excuse me, 500 cops to the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, deal with that and closing the border. You'd have more, more say on and that. No, no, no. And- it's the opposite, actually. It's the opposite. You're one of 100 people. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of 535 people yelling and screaming and clamoring for attention. And you're not really in charge of anything. You know, this committee, that committee, uh, we're going to study it. We're going to have the, uh, my my five minutes are up. You know, I think at five minutes to ask questions. That doesn't sound. Uh, I get more time on my Newsmax show for an interview, quite frankly, than their five minutes. Look, it's tantalizing. It's intriguing. And I'm not going to totally dismiss it, but the mayor shit, the mayoralty is 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 where it's at. I mean, that's where I can really affect change and stop the insanity. And that uh, the Senate is just, you know, they just hang around and talk too much. Thanks, Jerry. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, hmm. That is interesting. Me in the United States Senate. I could beat Gillibrand, especially upstate. And in New York City. Well, a lot of wokesters in New York City. I, could, I bet I could get 30%, 35% of the vote in New York. Now, the only thing that will throw a monkey wrench in all of this 
is the cheating that the Democrats have now mainstreamed, right? Early voting. And do they have ranked choice voting? Oh, boy, they better not have this ranked choice voting at the senatorial level. Can anybody explain that? No. <laughs> Nobody has any idea. None. Zero. Hey, I, um, George Santos, let's leave him alone. Can we all agree that he's a good guy and he should be left alone? <laughs> Look, he only told the big lie is that he graduated from college with one degree. He actually had no degrees. Remember, Joe Biden said he had three degrees. Three! And going back to this abomination of a president, and it is, it's an abomination. It's disgusting to me that he has that job. Disgusting! We did the happy birthday moment yesterday. You heard about the happy birthday thing? And he couldn't even figure that one out? Mm, I'll In the next hour, I'll go through the so-called racism of our bridges. You know, they're throwing around a trillion dollars in infrastructure money to cure this country of systemic racism in our roads and bridges. And it's all because of Pete Buttigieg and a lot of fake news reporters like to virtue signal and pretend they're intellectuals by showing familiarity, at least, with Robert Caro's book, The Power Broker. Which, oh, by the way, I actually read. I don't think any of these people actually read it. And I actually also went to the trouble of debunking portions of it. Look, there's a it, Like any book, it's not perfect. My book is not perfect. And you can argue, you can push back, and I push back against uh, Robert Caro in that book. And Robert Moses was not a racist. My goodness gracious. The man creates the Triborough Bridge. What the hell could be racist about that? Huh? Linking three boroughs? That's somehow racist? Well, yes, it is. Oh, you know, the Cross Bronx Expressway, it ripped apart a community. No, it didn't. You're lying. You're totally misrepresenting it. Not Bob Caro himself. I understand. And you know what, though? Bob Caro wrote a book about a very powerful man, and he says he likes to study power. That's what fascinates him, power. That's what he says. And I understand that that's a very interesting subject. It makes it seem more important than focusing on one man. You're focused on power. Lyndon Johnson. Who wants to... How many books can you read about Lyndon Johnson, by the way? But okay. He's on book number four, I think, or five, on Lyndon Johnson. And he says, it's not about Lyndon Johnson, it's about power. I can understand that. I can, that's interesting. Here's the but, and I know this about him. He goes to visit Robert Moses. This is not in his book. This is not in The Power Broker. But he goes to visit him after he left office. And Moses, at this point, has an inkling that this guy's working on a book. So he grants him a couple of interviews. And Robert Carroll writes that he sensed that his power was gone. He felt it. He could feel it. The guy was once, you know, had this vitality, and he could see that it no longer has it. And to me, that's, the, that's a lesson in power. Because the book would not have been that critical if Robert Moses still had power. You know what I mean? It's easy to kick a guy when he's down, basically. And I still like his books. I mean, this is a guy who actually tries, tries to uh, learn stuff about his subjects. Unlike the fake news books about Trump. Hey, did you see? Maggie Haberman from the New York Times has this new book on Trump. 
the confidence man, trying to say he's a con man. The real con is that book. I mean, there are glaring, like just huge mistakes in black and white. And I'm not a book editor. I, 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 I don't even subscribe to the New York Times actually anymore. And there are quotes in that book that she says are new and interesting and just for her. One friend told me that being friends with Donald Trump is like being friends with a hurricane. Wow, what an interesting thought. How interesting. But I read that in the newspaper seven years ago. It came from Harry Lefrak. I read it in the newspaper seven years ago. That's the kind of thing you remember. Somebody describing a, a person as a hurricane. I'm like, no. Hurricane! How is anybody supposed to know I'm a hurricane? Uh, Welcome back, Wayne, in Morristown. Yes. How are you on this fine day? All right. You want to explain this to me? Uh, the, everywhere the president goes, you have forward people that actually go in there and they and they, they, they get gasoline for the for the airplane. They get all the stuff like that and, and the CIA and this and the National Guard and everybody's got to do something over there. But someone can go in and out of his house without being documented who was there. Even the fact that there's there's. CIA agents and 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 uh, Secret Service that might actually want to do him harm. Also, you want to know everybody that was in and out of that place on a regular basis, right? Uh look, it's kind of a distraction. This whole issue about the visitors log, because quite frankly, um, look, the only visitor we got to be really worried about is Hunter Biden, and he lived there. He's no visitor. He lived there. He either owns the house or is renting the house. Hunter Biden is the number one security risk, right? He's right there on drugs, on crack, no judgment whatsoever, and he has access to top secret materials. That's right there. But look, I will say this about a visitor log. Three months after Joe Biden, actually maybe it was six months after Joe Biden left the vice presidency, right? He got nothing. He had no secret service. He had no special uh, entourage anymore. You can actually, I did this on the show. I, I show that on his book tour, he wrote a phony baloney book, which he claims he got like $7 million for writing, which is insane. A guy like Joe did not sell $7 million worth of that book. Uh, he claims that um, he made that money. But I show on his book tour, he has one person with him, <laughs> some girl from the publishing company. That's it. You actually don't get um, Secret Service protection when you are an ex-vice president of the United States. You get it for about six months. As opposed to the president, you get it for the rest of your life. So this whole visitor log thing, I think, is uh, neither here nor there. I think we play their game because they can easily say, well, Donald Trump did not turn over a visitor log. And I don't even think they kept that there. I think you can walk into uh, Mar-a-Lago. Now that he's an ex-president, I don't think you have to show your ID. I'm trying to think. Did I show my ID? I did. I did. When I saw the President Trump, I showed my ID, but he's a president, ex-president. Totally different story. You know, they get Secret Service protection for life. They also get access to classified material. Every ex-president of the United States can get briefed by the Central Intelligence Agency. I think they made an exception for Trump because the swamp was so out to get him. Um, so the visitor log thing is not a big deal. Don't be distracted by it. Um, it's the hypocrisy that we nailed him in. It's why were lawyers searching his office to begin with. That's very important. 
And yes, why the hell did he bring those documents home? Although I am not as appalled by that as the other stuff. The no-show job at Penn State, UPenn, Penn Center, whatever it was. It was a, well, I went to their website. It's defunct. It is defunct. Uh, Here I am putting out contact like a lunatic. And Joe Biden is putting out one article a year. He wrote one article for the website. 2018, you can go. It's right there right now. The UPenn Biden Center. Tom in Brooklyn, hello. Good afternoon, Colonel. How are you? Much respect, sir. And this is only speculation and something I think we must consider. Uh, The police are recruiting, uh, having recruitment problems throughout the country. So they're considering hiring non-citizens. My concern is uh, corrupt countries, you know, erasing the identities of of criminals and sending them over as, you know, new people, you know, just different people. And um, I don't understand. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What's your concern about non-citizens becoming cops? Say it again. What is your concern about that? If if these if if the countries, the corrupt countries, erase criminal records. And turn them into new people. We would never be known. We would never be the wiser. We wouldn't know anything about it. Hey, listen, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I don't know what the policy is. I do know this, though. I remember this vividly, that you did not have to be a citizen to join the Marine Corps. And we had some great Marines who are not citizens, believe it or not. It does seem a little counterintuitive, right? You should be a citizen. But strangely enough, you didn't have to be a citizen to join the Marine Corps. That's kind of weird, right? But I did know a Marine or two who weren't citizens. And they were pretty good. But I don't know. I don't know. I would like to learn more about that. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Um, let me fix this, and I'll be right back. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Newt Gingrich is uh, one of the most brilliant men in America. First noticed him in the late 80s. This congressman from Georgia, so articulate, so smart, uh, a real sense of history. I think it was a history professor somewhere at one point, and um, he went on to do great things. I vividly remembered it was actually 1989 when I first uh, noticed this dude. Um, had an impact on my thinking at the time on the issues. Went on, on of course, to become the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and um, and now is kind of, in some ways— is he the conscience of the party? I mean, I don't think he was a Trump fan at first, but, man, he recognized that raw political talent, and he got on board. He got on board. And listen to Newt Gingrich talk about Joe Biden, and uh, uh, it's powerful stuff. Cut 13, please. Cut 13. The objective reality is that America has been decaying into a country of enormous deep corruption, Uh, When you have $20 billion stolen from the California unemployment system and nothing really has been done about it, basically by uh, inmates in the California prisons, when you have $620 million stolen from the Washington state unemployment compensation system, most of it by Nigerians, uh, when you have the depth of corruption we've seen across the whole system, you've had the level of corruption in the senior FBI. 
Um, this is just part of the same story. It's not about Biden. It's about a much deeper establishment which has grown very sick and very corrupt uh, and which is a threat to the very survival of freedom in this country in ways we can't even begin to imagine. It includes partly business community leaders, includes partly the news media. It certainly includes large parts of the academic world who've taken money from various dictatorships and then hidden it and lied about it. And in this particular case, maybe we finally reached the ultimate apex of this. We now have a president of the United States who, for all practical purposes, runs a criminal family. His two brothers, his son, there's no other reasonable behavior that explains it, except they were all selling influence, and he knew it, and he personally profited from it. Amen. Newt Gingrich. How can you argue with that? It's, it's, it is right there in front of our faces. Sometimes you forget, and it's easy to forget that Joe Biden has two brothers, Frank and Jim. Try finding pictures of Frank, Jim, and Joe all together. You can't find any. Okay, they they knew early on we got to keep our distance. We got to keep this low profile. We got to keep this hush hush, and then we can all do very well for the rest of our lives. Uh, don't forget the sister Valerie, Valerie Biden. Uh, she's twenty six years old, running a senatorial campaign in uh, in Delaware to get Joe elected, and then she runs it again to get him reelected and reelected and reelected and reelected, and then his sister runs the campaign to get him elected president. <laughs> Uh, she ran the campaign. Um, no skill, uh, no uh, connections, almost by her own admission. But she does have that Biden name. And boy, boy, did she make out well. She even is uh, involved in this whole art scam, by the way. Hey, when you have a country as corrupt as Newt just said, what what is the mindset? What is the spirituality of a country like that? Not very spiritual, is it? Not very in touch with God, right? Irreligious. We are becoming the most irreligious country, um, well, certainly than we've ever been before. Faith always played a pretty significant role in uh, the life of this country until, what, five, ten years, whatever? I don't know. But we've jumped the shark. You know what really is still bothering me? That dumb MILF show. The MILF show. You heard about this? MILF Manor. All those, uh, what do they call them, cougars trying to hook up with the young guys? Where is that? Um, this is MILF Manor on The Learning Channel, TLC. They used to have specials with Charles Corral. Cut 26. Ladies, where's all the men at? I'm ready to connect with somebody who doesn't really care how old I am. I want to go with the city I'm just looking to have fun. My here we go. What the hell? All right, you it get the idea. Real. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's one thing, uh, you know, you got your own little uh, things that you're into at home and in private. But on the Learning Channel, that's what they use. That's TLC, the Learning Channel. That show is on TLC. Be back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, hard to believe that at one point Martin Luther King Day was um, considered controversial by conservatives, from conservatives. They weren't really down with having this holiday. I see uh, everybody I know took the day off yesterday. Ronald Reagan, I think, signed it into law that there should be an MLK Day in today. His words uh, really resonate with us, of course, conservatives, uh, people who think that we shouldn't be judged on the basis of color. How about the character, the content of our character? It's a beautiful statement, and it's one of the reasons why he's not so cool anymore with the left, not so fashionable. Uh, They just don't like him. You know who is uh, (laughs) really fashionable and as relevant as ever? An evil weirdo by the name of Malcolm X. Now, I know there's this guy in Queens. He keeps telling me, to, you got, Greg, you got to finish the entire Malcolm X biography. I got up to the point where he was calling everybody the white devil. I decided to put it down. Okay, that, that, that was enough for me. You know, he writes a book calling people the white devil. I, imagine, imagine if I tweeted anything about somebody being the devil based on race, right? Tweet, a tweet. This guy actually went through the trouble of (laughs) writing it down, showing it to an editor, bringing it to a book publisher, and it's an instant classic. So here is Malcolm X uh, just speaking his mind. Back in the day, cut 16, please. Cut 16, Malcolm X. The white man pays Reverend Martin Luther King, subsidizes Reverend Martin Luther King, so that Reverend Martin Luther King can continue to teach the Negroes to be defenseless. That's what you mean by nonviolent. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to give Negroes a chance to sit in a segregated restaurant beside the same white man who had brutalized them for 400 years. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to get Negroes to forgive the people who have brutalized them for uh, for 400 years by, by lulling them to sleep and making them forgetting what those whites have done to them. But the masses of black people in America today don't go for what Martin Luther King is, is putting down. Huh, don't go for it. And, you know, it's probably more true today. And not in terms of, I think, black people, but I think uh, the elites, the New York Times, you know, they've thrown in the towel on America. Fundamentally racist and all that stuff that happened 400 years ago. We must have accountability now. Reparations. We have to dismantle the whole system. Uh, so that's Malcolm X. And Malcolm X is uh, one of Barack Obama's favorite writers. More on that in a moment. But listen to how square and dull this Martin Luther King can be, right? Talking about love as a powerful force. I think that's pretty great, actually. Cut 17. I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. Never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. I'm going on in believing in him. You better know him and know his name. Know how to call his name. Don't be a fool. Recognize your dependence on God. Recognize your dependence on God. Wow. You don't hear that kind of talk anymore, do you, in the public square? It's one of the things that made Martin Luther King great. And I, I'm just gathering it's one of the things that uh, why Barack Obama on the left want nothing to do with him. So in his uh, definitive autobiography, Dreams from My Father, A Story of Race and Inheritance by Barack Obama, 
Uh, you know who's uh, mentioned here with great reverence 17 times? Malcolm X. Malcolm X. And as a young man, he writes this, Barack Obama does. Only Malcolm X's autobiography seemed to offer something different. His repeated acts of self-creation spoke to me. The blunt poetry of his words, his unadorned assistance on respect, promised a new and uncompromising order, martial in its discipline, forged through sheer force of will. Can I hear a little bit about the that self-creation that spoke to Barack? Cut 16? The white man pays Reverend Martin Luther King, subsidizes Reverend Martin Luther King, so that Reverend Martin Luther King can continue to teach the Negroes to be defenseless. That's yeah. what I mean by nonviolent. Yeah. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to give Negroes a chance to sit in a segregated restaurant with oh, yeah. the same white man who had brutalized them for 400 years. All right, enough of, of you, Dr. enough of you. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm X. Uh, I, so I go through his 17 times. You know when he talks about uh, Martin Luther King? In his biography here, in his autobiography, I was driving down Martin Luther King Boulevard one afternoon. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's that's the experience of Barack Obama with Martin Luther King. Now, just out of curiosity, and I haven't checked this, let's see what Barack Obama, let's see what pablum he put out yesterday about, uh, I, uh, no, it was Michelle Obama. Did he put out anything about, uh, here we go. Sure enough, here it is. I knew it. Today we pay tribute to the extraordinary life and legacy of Dr. King and reflect on the lessons he taught us. Thanks to everyone who joined the Obama Foundation to lend a hand in Chicago. What the hell is this? Oh, it's like an arts and crafts fair in some gymnasium. And um, yeah, that was, uh, what do we call it? That was a very corporate, very corporate. Um, they have no use for um, Dr. King anymore. Hey, it's too bad, by the way. And last night I wanted to do this on the show. Uh, the audio clips I can use uh, from Martin Luther King are fairly limited. You can't use any of the famous ones. You can't use the I Have a Dream speech. You can't use the, uh, you know, I've been to the mountaintop speech. Why not? I mean, I can find it on YouTube in 10 seconds. But um, the Martin Luther King family, I uh, how do we put this? Um, they're rather greedy, <laughs> and they've copyrighted all that stuff. So even on Martin Luther King Day... You don't hear much of that, but you got to go and dig a little deeper and you find some beautiful things that aren't as famous, that aren't as well known. Here's one more. Martin Luther King. This is 1964. Here he is offering a uh, kind of a unique definition of love. Cut 15. I don't think of uh, love as uh, in this context as emotional bosh. I don't think of it as uh, a weak force. But I, I think of love as something strong and that uh, organizes itself into powerful uh, direct action. Love is powerful, can bring on uh, all kinds of great things. A very mellow Martin Luther King. He was a man of range. And by the way, the FBI tried to, um, well, basically try to kill the guy. They try to have him killed. The FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, J. Edgar Hoover orchestrated a um, psychological harassment campaign and they followed him around and they found out that he may have been uh, canoodling with some girl and uh, they said you better you better um, you better jump off a bridge or we're going to tell the world about you it's all in a letter and the FBI orchestrated that and J Edgar Hoover it's amazing that J Edgar Hoover well, let's face it, was a total creep, right? All that domestic spying and that weird stuff. And 
anything for power. Um, he was the FBI director for like 50 years, and um, they still have that building named after him in the heart of Washington, D.C. They're renaming Fort Bragg. They're renaming um, uh, Fort Benning. They're renaming uh, all these great army bases across the country. But for some reason, they keep the name J. Edgar Hoover. Maybe those uh, agents, this is the same bureau, the same institution that, of course, went after Donald Trump. Nothing, something else that Donald Trump actually has in common with Martin Luther King. Huh? About, how about that? All right. Oh, Joe Biden got in on the act yesterday. This is funny. I know you've heard it before. i just tell you what. I, I walked into a room yesterday and I heard somebody. I said, is this uh, I thought it was a movie. You know what movie I thought it was? Bachelor Party. Remember Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks? By the way, Tom Hanks was like a joke and a clown when he first started in movies. Was it Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks? Police Academy? One of those silly movies. Anyway, I thought it was a scene from some 80s comedy. And here he is, Joe Biden, singing yesterday at a Martin Luther King celebration. Everybody's horrified. Cut 18. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. Well, 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 blah, blah. I have another version where it's just uh, just the money shot, right? Blah, blah. Cut 19, please. Happy birthday, How's that for advance work, huh? Advance work is, you know, Joe has like 87,000 people working for him. And they go to the event ahead of time. They make sure they get the name of everybody he's going to meet. They just smooth everything over. You know, there's here's a person. They're in the front row. His name is John Smith. If you want to sing happy birthday to him, his name is John <laughs> Joe uh, Joe's overconfident. He thinks he can wing it. And then he goes from the uh, that silliness to, um, well, race baiting. It was a primarily black audience. I think it might have been the National Action Network uh, D.C. edition. Right. Uh, here he is um, playing uh, racial politics. Cut 20. Cut 20. You know, if you build a, in the last 25 years, if you build a, a, a housing development on one side of an interstate highway and you built the same one on the opposite side and one is predominantly black and the other is predominantly white. Guess what? The value of the exact same home built by the exact same builder is more valuable on the white side of that highway than on the, on the black side. That's a fact. No, that's a fact. That's it. That's just a fact. Is it a fact? And by the way, how do you know this, Joe? Let's go through the past 25 years. Where the hell have you been for the past 25 years? Well, 25 years ago was uh, was uh, 1998, all right? You were a United States senator then, and you are— Can you hear that in the background, by the way? What the hell is going on? Are they installing a new—what uh, are they doing? All right. It's gone now. It's gone now. Anyway, um— what does he know? Vice president? He doesn't know anything about building buildings. He doesn't know anything about... Who's he calling a racist here? The real estate agents? The builders? What? And is that it? Let's say there is a discrepancy. Let's say there is a variation in home value. Is it just because uh, society prefers the color of white over black? That's it, right? Has nothing to do with crime rates. Has nothing to do with schools. Has nothing to do with perhaps... Road quality, um, maintenance has nothing to do with any of those things. 
Now, you could look through this through a race prism and just see it. Oh, it's all because there are other factors at work here, pal. By the way, listen to the way he says the word black. There's something very strange about it. Uh, Cut 21. If you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance in that side. No basis for it. None at all other than you're black and I'm white. You're black. You're black and I'm white. This is the um, this is the guy who basically we're talking about J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover is a remote ancient figure in American history, right? Fifty one years ago, J. Edgar Hoover died. It was 1972. What else happened in 1972? Joe Biden was elected to the United States Senate. All right. And I have this theory for some people. They stop growing the moment they achieve um, success or fame. And for Joe. Unfortunately for all of us, he he succeeded. He achieved those things at 29. So his growth is stunted. And he speaks like a man from the early 1970s to this day. For instance, for instance, listen to how impressed he is by a black man who happens to take a shower. Now, I think every human being who has access to uh, bathroom facilities probably takes a shower. But for Joe Biden, it's somehow unique that uh, that a black man would be clean. Cut 22, please. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook. It's a storybook, man. He's talking about Barack Obama. Wait, so this is the first one who's a first black man that Joe has ever met, who's nice looking, who's bright, who's articulate, who's clean. Joe Biden really does have a cartoonish view of America. Go back to 1972. I mean, wow. It's amazing that after he said that horrendous thing, which reveals so much prejudice, he actually gets picked to be the vice president to Barack Obama. Isn't that kind of crazy? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Giving serious consideration to uh, deleting email from my life permanently. Just getting rid of it. Not being one of those weird people with uh, no email address. Why not? If you need me, text me. Uh, Text is more fun. It's lighter, it's faster, and uh, the email, I don't know. Did you get my email? hate that question. And the other thing is, uh, everybody in the universe finds out your email. Um, you know, companies, uh, this service, that service. Let me, let me, I guess I went to Saks Fifth Avenue. I get 17 emails a day, almost an hour from Saks Fifth Avenue, JetBlue, uh, something called the, uh, the Upper East Cider. What the hell is that? I never went there. Extra Cut. Business Insider. This is junk mail. Wall-to-wall junk mail. BMW of North America. I don't have a BMW. What is this? Some magazine I subscribed to uh, six years ago still giving me offers. Uh, Who needs it? Who needs it is right. Do you have to have an email address? I don't think uh, it's a free country. You don't need an email address. I think I'm getting rid of this thing. It's a big step, but I think I'm getting rid of it. Um, hey, who watches the Mika and Joe show anymore? I saw Mika Brzezinski on, and she's busting some chop, the chops of some doctor. 
And well, well, why didn't we have the answer to this a year ago? And that may or may not be a legitimate question. I don't even know what they were talking about. But I was like, who the hell are you, Mika? And who the hell are you, um, David Muir and Nora O'Donnell and Lester Holt? I'm telling you, no matter who you are, most likely you know a hell of a lot more than life about life than these guys. That goes for everybody. Whether your job was uh, driving a truck, sweeping a floor, you have some skill that they don't. They're the vainest, strangest people in the world. And if you listen to them, they think that they would have everything straightened out. Everything is screwed up because uh, they're not involved. If only they could be involved, everything would go right. Right, Mika? Let's face it, Mika, things weren't going too right for her until she made friends with the boss at work. And then she um, had a bit of a renaissance, and she literally travels the world telling women and girls to know your worth. I wonder if she... I never attended the seminar. It cost $10,000 to go hear Mika say this crap. I wonder if she includes the dating the boss uh, uh, chapter. Because that enhanced her worth, actually, in in the eyes of the world. More importantly, it probably diminished her. Anyway, there's hope. There's hope for us all. Hey, including the guy at the Mall of the Americas. Did you hear about him? He had the nerve to wear a Jesus Saves t-shirt, and they damn near arrested him. When we come back. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, they're talking to Corinne Jean-Pierre, Hempstead's own uh, White House press secretary. And I think they're talking about the uh, the documents in Joe Biden's house. Let's listen for a little bit. In our economic agenda for historic recovery and oh, a brother. manufacturing boom at home, more than 750,000 manufacturing jobs were created uh, right here under this president. At the same time, we're working... We're going headlong into a recession. We go back and forth All right, stop. They're talking about the economy, for crying out loud. 750,000 jobs. Let me finish your, your answer. Right, goodbye, you goodbye, goodbye. That's enough, that's enough, that's enough. <sighs> They're getting away with it. Temporarily, the press corps was all fired up. Now it looks like they're going along with it, going along with it. I can't believe it. She's just standing there rattling off a bunch of numbers they gave her. The president of the United States was found with classified documents in his garage, in his garage, next to his stupid Corvette. All right, so we have this tape of the guy at the Mall of the Americas, which at one point was the largest and nicest mall in the country. And what is he wearing? He's wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt. And I guess there's one line in there. It says, Jesus is the way. And um, I guess there's a big X for all the other religions. You know, that's not the, Buddhism is not the way. This is not the way. That's not the way. And that's what he believes. That's what I believe, quite frankly. Um, I can respect all religions, but I can also think that, yes, I do believe Jesus. I also believe that we don't have all the answers. We Christians don't have all the answers. And there's, um, who knows? God is a reasonable God as well. All right? 
I once got blue in the face arguing with somebody about this. You know, unless you accept Christ, that's it. You're going to hell. And I'm like, I don't think it. You're telling me a Chinese baby, some baby born in China is going straight. Well, that's what the Bible says. Well, you know what? I'm not so. It's open to interpretation. And I know one thing. He's a just God and he's ain't sending babies to hell. All right. Period. Anyway, back to our friend in uh, the Mall of the Americas. He's wearing this T-shirt. Did it really insult anybody? The mall cops. (laughs) Now, they made movies about how crazy these guys are, right? The mall cops. You give them a little bit of authority. You give them a little badge, and they get totally carried away. Maybe that's one of these situations where the mall cops, you know, were pretending they're real cops. Sorry, But there's sometimes that thing going on, that dynamic. All right, let's hear what the hell happened, please. I understand that, but Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. No, it's not. Actually, it's not a religion. It's about eternal life. I can't. uh, Stop, stop, stop. Can you hear what the hell's going on? Maybe I should stop saying hell all the time. Okay, keep going. You can go to Macy's or we can leave. I didn't say anything, though. I didn't speak. I didn't... I didn't speak. I didn't, I didn't say anything. Just going to Again, I'm giving you, you can give it yourself up. All right, I can't make what the hell's, I can't make anything out. I can't, I can't figure out what. But the mall cops are telling him he's got to leave or take off the shirt, right? He's got to leave or take off the shirt. Now that's, uh, where could they have gotten that idea? Where could they have gotten that idea that somehow a, a T-shirt that is not expressing a uh, a bad word or anything vulgar or there's no nudity, you're not allowed in America to uh, reveal your religious convictions on a T-shirt. You can say anything else on a T-shirt. You can say Black Lives uh, Matter, and you know how I feel about that. Nice slogan, but uh, the devil's in the details, literally. They're opposed to the nuclear family. Uh, you could put... I once saw somebody with a... Um, a Coca-Cola T-shirt. Oh, that's nice. He's got the Coca-Cola logo. But if you looked a little bit closer, it was the C-word. Coke, the real thing, it was the C-word. It was like in the same kind of script. You know what I did, actually? I'm kind of proud of this. I said, you need to turn that T-shirt inside out right away. Now, I was. this guy was bigger than me. Well, I was in the Marine Corps. I outranked him. So I just... Uh, what happened to him? Now, I'm reading that actually after this altercation, he was allowed back into the mall to shop and do his thing. But this is the kind of thing that is happening, will happen more and more. Did you know that the priests, uh, I shouldn't call them, the clergymen at St. John's Chapel down there in Washington, D.C., that Black Lives Matter tried to blow up? And remember how outrageous it was when Donald Trump you know, cleared the riot, number one, which you have to do, law and order. And he went to the church, and what did he do? What was the, what was the most offensive thing in the world, according to the fake news? He held up a Bible. But here's the crazy part. It was the worst thing, according to the clergy member, the clergyman in charge of the church. They were appalled that Donald Trump would do such a thing. This is the same church two days later. What was up on front? A stupid Black Lives Matter banner. If we're to the point that church leaders are virtue signaling to the mob, we are with you, 
not with Christ? What the hell is happening? It's happening all over the world, by the way. Did you hear about the priest in Nigeria who was burned to a crisp? It's funny. I don't hear Joe Biden talking about that. I don't hear much of anybody talking about it. Boko Haram grabbed those girls. That's all I heard about for six weeks. And quite frankly, that was a you know, a legitimate thing to rally around and find the girls. But for most people, it was just a silly social media campaign. Look at me. I'm worried about girls in Nigeria. Yeah, good luck finding that place on a map. Did you get enough likes and comments on your silly feed? That thing is going to destroy us. That social media cancer is going to destroy us, especially Instagram. IG, are you on the gram? Now, fortunately, I'm old enough and, quite frankly, strong enough and uh, kind of know who I am and what I'm about and where I'm going. And, and and even I'm sometimes addicted to that nonsense. What is it with 13-year-old girls looking at all these beautiful people all day long? They're consuming. I told you I was on the train from 86th Street down to 14th Street. There were about three girls. They must have went through 7,000 pictures And you know what they would say each time? Oh, my God, she's so pretty. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, she's ugly. Oh, my God, she's so pretty. Oh, my God, she's so pretty. That's what they do. It's all about looks now. Nobody gives a damn about anything else. We have become the most thoughtless country in the world. Silly. And you know who I know is uh, upset about it? Well, first to you, Mary in Manhattan. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Oh, hi. How are you, Greg? Um, Greg, mm. you're you're a breezy point guy. Remember, in well, tell me, I didn't read the Power Broker. I never got around to it. Yeah. But I looked at the index to see if Reese Park was mentioned. Yeah. And it wasn't. And Reese Park is where thousands and thousands of inner city people go in the summertime. So, but but I don't know. Was it mentioned? Was Jacob Reese Park mentioned in the Power Broker? That's what you're asking me. Yes, because well, I, mean, I mean, look, are... number one, it's a 1500 pages long and uh, I don't have it, but I almost guarantee you that it was. And as a matter of fact, just for you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to download it right now. I've already ordered enough copies of my own book. Let's order something for. Uh, all right. Hold on a second. Uh, the power broker. You can download it. And you know what I did? I, I did a word search and I told you in the last segment, this is a pretty uh, effective thing because I looked up all of Barack Obama's book. Books. And uh, curiously, oh shoot, wait, yeah. Curiously, he um, never really wrote much about Martin Luther King himself, only talked about Martin Luther King Street. I was driving down Martin Luther King Boulevard, that kind of thing. All right, shoot, wait a second. It's not available in Kindle? How can that be? I can buy it off a paperback, hardcover, credit. Anyway, why do you want to know if it's in that book or not? Well, because if it's not, it just goes to show that it's not it's as as thick as the book was and as well researched. I'm it sh- no, no, that no, 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 no. All right, look, you can't criticize it. You can't. You can't stop. Jacob Rees is definitely discussed in that book, the Marine Parkway Bridge, and I know that uh, what's his name, Caro, um, built that bridge. And it opened in 1937. I was just reading about it the other day for some reason. The Marine Parkway Bridge that links Brooklyn and uh, the Rockaway Peninsula. Uh, he was all over that. It's without it. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of the Marine Parkway Bridge in the Power Broker. I remember that. 
So don't worry about it. Stop your criticism of the book, at least in that regard. Okay, it's in there. Okay. Um, the thing about the police, a gentleman called in and was concerned about there not being enough officers recruited and they're bringing in elite, I mean, um, you know, foreign nationals as mm. police. I remember a few years back, there was this thing that Chicago was in such bad shape. They, the U.N. offered to bring in their police. You know, we don't like the U.N. and we don't like their police force. They have a big police force, but wouldn't that be... Well, wait a second. Wait, well, why, why don't you like the U.N. police force? I met some of those guys. They're good guys. Are they? Yes, they're fantastic. Well, the U.N., I mean, forget about them. Wait the a people. second. You call up with all these things you haven't researched. You're assuming that it's not in the book. You want to criticize the book. You want to criticize the U.N. police force. What do those guys have to do with it? Call, Greg. What? <laughs> I call so I can, like, you know. Vent, vent a little bit? Well, yeah, there's so many bona fide issues to be, you know. You're like, but wait a minute. No, let me I ask don't... you something. Is this in the book? Because I'm if not... it isn't, I got something to say about that book. And let me tell you about those U.N. cops. I never met one. I actually met the chief of the U.N. police. Very nice guy. Uh, so, And I haven't heard of an incident at the United Nations uh, in a long time, although I witnessed one once about two years ago. Some crazy guy was with a gun in front of it. All right, Mary, I appreciate it. Good stuff. Uh, but let's pick something else to be mad at next time, Mary. Hey, real quick, what do you do, Mary? I'm a tour guide. You're a tour guide. What kind? What do you do? What yeah. circle line? What? Well, how does that work? Tours of Manhattan. I, I almost got a driver's circle. That was a good job. No, I work at freelance. I did State Department work when before Hillary Clinton. Um, Wait. So people come that. and what do you show them around? How do you show them around in one of those double decker buses? I how does it work? Uh, no, no. I did that many years ago. No, in you know private cars or private little vans. Uh, and where and, are these people um, from? Where are they? Where, where are they from? They're from all over the world. What do you um, show them? What do you show them? I show them. You know what? Though a lot of times, it's in their itinerary. Oh, they want to go see the stupid friend's house, right? I bet they want to go see the house from friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there are some people who are interested in like you know New York stuff. What's the number and one I'm spot? Not- What's the number one spot you like to take them to? I like Madison Square Park, and I like... All right, um, all right. Yeah. All right, all right, all no, right. No, I mean, I mean, Already. I was hoping you were going to say something like, you know, out of the box, Madison Square Park. Out of the box? I mean, well, all right. Know, because you can see the good old Empire State Building, you know. I wouldn't take them to Hudson Yards, because I feel that that's like China or something. You know what I mean? What do you mean listen, by that? Because it was built by Chinese, it doesn't feel like you're in New York. It just doesn't. Feel, I actually love that like mall. I love that mall. It's big. It's beautiful. Nobody's there. Uh, I kind of like it. All right, that's interesting, Mary. Uh, a tour guide in uh, in New York. Well, good for you. Stay in touch. All right. Oh, and this is important. Barbara has something to say. Professor Barbara from Huntington, we love you. How are you? Uh-huh. Oh, Greg, you give me a laugh every time you say that. I love you guys too. Listen, I'm hearing about the man at the mall with the Jesus Save shirt on, and most people have not heard of what they were accusing him of. There's something called the offended observer status that in the 70s was invented by the Supreme Court, and it's always used to shut down religious freedom. So now that is going to go in front of the Supreme Court to decide if that is really a valid thing. So the people in the mall were offended observers. If I go to my town square at Christmas and they have a manger scene, I can claim that I'm an offended observer. 
and I can sue them. And there are law firms that will sue them because I am an offended observer. Offended observer. That sounds very broad. Every time I turn on the TV, I'm observing Biden. I'm offended. Can I sue him? I'm an offended observer of Joe Biden. Now, you say this is going to the Supreme Court. Says, uh, is it or you do you just anticipate that? Yeah, no. Well, the uh, the ACLJ is petitioning the Supreme Court on behalf of the city of Ocala, Florida. And I won't go into the whole detail just because it's too long. But they are petitioning that if this case is heard, so it's not certain, but it, they think they have a good chance. And I believe they do, too, from what I've read, that the Supreme Court will hear this and decide whether people walking past someone in a mall exercising his First Amendment freedom of religion and freedom of speech decide whether that person has grounds to force that man not to wear that message. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, the other part of this are students in school. Kids go to school with all kinds of things on their T-shirts, right? Well, children are allowed to go to school with Bible quotes on their T-shirt, with a picture of the cross, with, with something Jesus saves. They are allowed to do that. That's been through the courts so many times. Okay. And it is the student's freedom of speech to wear those T-shirts. We had a student on Long Island in the seventh grade. He had a Bible verse on his T-shirt. His teacher told him, you have to go to the men's room and turn that T-shirt inside out because people will be offended. Yeah, you know what? If you you don't want to be offended, stay home. Stay home. You know what I mean? Stay in bed. You know, that's life. You're going to be, you're going to meet people you don't agree with. That makes it interesting. Spice of life, mixing it up. So the seventh grader, all right, but you're saying that's very much intact, and they're not getting rid of that anytime soon, right? You can wear a Bible verse on your shirt, although I don't know if that's fashionable or whatever, but whatever. I mean, you can do that, and nobody should mess with you, right? That's No one should mess with you. That has been defended in court so many times, and there are dozens of law firms, but if that happens to one of your listeners or to you or to one of your children or whatever, there are dozens of law firms that will defend you. On that, and they will win. They have won so many times. So the problem. I, with look, I agree with the right. I wonder though if that's the most effective way of spreading the word. You know what I mean? Sometimes I wonder if that's more about the the, the person in the T-shirt than the message. That, you know, I'm not. By the way, legally, of course, of course, and you know where I'm coming from. But I wonder if that's the best way to get the word out there. It's probably not the worst way. Just you know, Barbara, what do you think? It's one of the ways, and as Christians or as believers in any faith, if we want to evangelize and spread the word of our faith, we do it anywhere we can, with a bumper sticker, with a a lawn sign at at Christmas in front of our house. You know what? You're damn right. You're right. You're right. And hopefully, even that T-shirt, it sparks a conversation. You know? It sparks a conversation, and you can uh, share it, share your your journey, and your—yeah, I like it. I like it! And uh, they shouldn't mess with it. And they're, we're coming too close, right, Barbara? We're coming too close. to they're, they're screwing with this stuff that they shouldn't be screwing with. That's right. And this offended observer, you can follow the news on it at AFFOR.org and look at our newsletters, Americans for Freedom of Religion, because we have a newsletter going out next week about exactly this, about the offended observer status. Hey, can I ask you something? Americans for Freedom of Religion is that what it's mm-hmm. called? You should have a Twitter account. Do you have a Twitter account? No, I don't. Why don't you fire one up? Because, you know, the newsletter is a little bit, you know, it's you got to buy the envelopes, the stamps. It mm-hmm. takes a long time, and, and you get the word out there mm-hmm. right away. And I mm-hmm. know, what do you think? Uh, you know what? I will do that. I haven't done that, but 
I'm going to take your advice, and I'm going to do that this week. But just so you know, our newsletter is electronic, and it goes out to about 500 churches across the country. Every week we have a new lesson. I love it, Barbara. I'm sorry. i got to run. Look, check it out, everybody. Look it up. America for Freedom of Religion. Americans for Freedom of Religion. Do you have a website? A-F-F-O-R dot org. A-F-F-O-R dot org. Thank you, Barbara. Always, always uh, great having you. I'll be right back. I'm late. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the workers stopped working downstairs. Uh, Don't blame them for working. This is a 50-year-old building. kind of love that. Even 50 years no matter what I was doing in my life, this building was here or just about to be finished. When I was in nursery school, this little office was here waiting for us, right? And wherever we are, we're just passing through. We are just passing through. This will not last forever. Uh, Got to go across the street, get ready for the nighttime show. Uh, in our remaining time, uh, Agnes, hello. Hi, Hi, Greg Kelly. How are you? Terrific. Welcome. Well, I just wanted to say thank you for writing your book, and I'm waiting for the next one. But I love the picture of you on the front, but maybe you could be holding the Bible next time. <laughs> but but anyway, I just wanted to say I enjoyed your book. And um, like I said, I'm still on your side with Trump and Ashley Babbitt. And I don't call from the laundromat anymore because they tore it down. But the wash will still come out in the end with all this political stuff. Hey, what happened? Anyway, what what happened to the laundromat? They just have got old, so they tore it down. <laughs> They're going to oh. build condos, I guess. That happens. What, what was the favorite part of the book? The favorite part of the book, would you believe? I was a nursery school teacher up to, you know, like third grade, second grade, first grade, and I loved picture books. So I love those pictures. That are in that. Book. I don't blame you. Uh, I, I don't blame you. I, 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 I insisted that the book have pictures, by the way. It wasn't yes, a given. Well, and, and I picked each one myself. So thank you very much. The pictures are. Yeah, I, that's a totally valid thing to say. The pictures and the captions. I wrote the captions and the pictures are important. Yes, it's uh, so perfect. Uh, so perfect. Hey, listen, like I said, I like the Bible pictures. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Because that's in there. I put Trump with the Bible in there and I spoke about that. How is this a problem? Why is this considered outrageous? Why is this the ugliest thing anyone's ever seen? Only a broken and decaying society would say that. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax at 10. Thank you all.